This is episode number 214 of the Middle Country Public Library podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Sal DiVincenzo here in the studio with my fabulous colleagues, Sarah Fade. Hello. And Nicole Rambo. Hello. How are you ladies doing? Good. Great. We're going to jump right into our segments. And Nicole, why didn't you go first? Yeah, so I was cruising around publishersweekly.com, as us librarians do. And uh, I saw this uh, blog post, and I thought it was actually really interesting. And it's about... um, the title is Books That Help Us Talk With Children About War. Okay. Obviously, we know what's going on in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and it's everywhere, and, you know, kids are coming in and out of the rooms. They hear things. They know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Kids know, you know. And um, so it was a, a really good uh, blog about um, how she's kind of dealing it with her children and some books that she recommends. So uh, the first one, and the, most of these are for, like, ages eight and up, maybe seven. Um, like, for us, a lot of these are shelved this one's shelved in our nonfiction. Other ones are in like picture books for older readers. So okay. these are for like a little bit older kids, not like five and under. That's like a different type of well, like how you would talk to them. But uh, this one's called The Wall and it's by Peter Sis. And he's a Czechoslovakian and it's about um, living in Czechoslovakia under like Soviet rule and like the wall coming down and stuff like that. It's a, it was a really good uh, book. I read it. Um, the Day the War Came. And this is... Um, based out this is for like ages six to nine effects of war starts a little girl whose cheerful school day is suddenly and irrevocably disrupted by war and it follows her journey to a safe place um there was a commercial i don't remember what it's for which is like terrible but years ago and it's like you watch like it's like a little girl's birthday Mm. remember that and it's like each year it gets like worse and worse and kind of reminded me of that Mm. um the other one um was the the cat man of aleppo and this is out of like syria and it's about um the story of Muhammad Allah Al-Jil, an ambulance driver who, in the midst of civil war, cared for the sick and wounded people in his ambulance, but then started caring for the stray and abandoned cats. And like how he, um, word of mouth, and he got donations from all over the world, and now he has a sanctuary for the cats as well as a playground for children. So, And that's like a true uh, story. That's another one. And then there's another book by Francesca Sana. Uh, the journey. It's a heart-rendering, but also hopeful imagining of a family's long trek through war, loss, tra- travail, and danger to find comfort and a safe landing place. So those are some of the books that um, this author of the blog uh, recommends, and they are I've you know, read or at least like flipped through them. I was looking at them, and they do we have them, and they are good. Great. Um, there's another website I found. It's called akidsco.com, and these are all books for kids, and it's like a kid's book about whatever, and the one, there's one now, and it's called A Kid's Book About War. Oh, okay. Um, and it's written by a, it's for free. You can read it for free, and they have it online in a bunch of different formats. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's written by a Emmy Award-winning journalist who's covered, like, war and stuff in the past. So, um, obviously, these books, you take them out or look at them first, I would suggest. You know what I mean? So you know yeah. what's coming, yeah. you know, and then you can sit down with your kid right. and read them. There's an ar- also an article from the American Psychological Association about talking to kids about the war in Ukraine and kind of just walking you through, like, what to expect or what, you know, questions that you should ask and how you should share information. Make sure you're always, like, focus on the helpers. That was, like, a famous uh, Mr. Rogers quote, right? He's like, my mom always said to look for the helpers, you know, humanitarian workers, volunteers, people like talk about them. Um, we talk about like um, giving back, like donations and UNICEF and those kind of things. And that book I said that was free. It is free to read, but and if you wanted to give a donation, it goes to mm, UNICEF. It's nice. And then there was another one out of PBS, another blog about this. 
and she lists some books as well. She also um, says, like, get out a map so they can kind of see what, um, you know, like where it's happening and stuff like that. What is a refugee? And this is for the younger ones. This is ages three to seven, which is like the youngest that I saw. And that's by Elise Gravel. Gravel. This book is a simple, accessible introduction to what it means to be a refugee. Lubna and Pebble. Written by Wendy Medor and illustrated by Daniel Ijunis. A young girl holds onto her special pebble at a refugee camp only to give it to a child who needs it even more. And then Lost and Found Cat, the true story of Kunkush's incredible journey. And this is written by Doug Kuntz and Amy Schroeds. A true story of how aid workers in Greece helped an Iraqi refugee family reunite with their beloved pet. A lot of them are going to have pets in them. I feel like okay. pets are a big because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it's, you know, it's kids and yeah. like, you know yeah, and sure. pets and kids are a big uh, topic. So yeah, so those are some things that I found. I thought that they were good, like reputable sources and um, some books in case your kids do bring it up. Like I said, they yeah. see you know what's going on. They know you know something's going on. Yeah, they don't know what exactly. So it's good to to talk to them about it. And now you have some places to start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And kind of know, not not what to say, but you know what I mean. Kind of like how to explain it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Yeah, and yeah. it's great that we have those resources here at the library, mm-hmm. and we'll put those in the show notes. Great. Great. Thank you, Nicole. Yep. Sarah, mm. what's happening this week? Well, um, we all know that uh, we had daylight saving time. Yeah, right? yeah. So, and then the news with daylight saving time, right? <laughs> so, um, for those, just to go over a little bit of history okay. about why we started this lovely tradition. So, daylight saving time, also called summer time is a system for uniformly advancing clocks so as to extend daylight hours during conventional waking time in the summer months in countries in the northern hemisphere clocks are usually set ahead one hour in late march or or in april and are set back an hour in late um september or in october several countries including australia great britain germany and the u.s adopted summer dst during world war one to conserve fuel by reducing the need for artificial light so that's why we did it. Okay. During World War II, clocks were kept continuously advanced by an hour in some countries. Uh, an example in the U.S. from February 1942 to September 30, 1945. In England, used double summertime during part of the year, advancing clocks two hours from standard time during the summer and one hour during the winter months. Now, that's even trickier. That's kind of strange, yeah. Yeah. In the U.S., daylight savings time formally began on the last Sunday in April and ended on in the last Sunday in October. But in 1986, the U.S. Congress passed a law that beginning the following year, moving up the start of daylight saving time to the first Sunday in April, but kept its end date the same. So in 86, it changed. Changed, okay. In 2007, daylight saving time changed again in the U.S. as the start date was moved to the second Sunday in March which we have now, and the end date to the first Sunday in November. In most of the countries of Western Europe, daylight saving time starts on the last Sunday in March and ends on the last Sunday in October. So uh, we've been messing with time and <laughs> daylight for quite a bit. However, that's that. <laughs> now have, the consequences. <laughs> yeah, we have messed with it again. So as you know, the U.S. <clears throat> Senate approves bill to make daylight saving time permanent. All right. Which is the right now time. Right now. Like so we're what not we're in. Falling back. We're no. staying. Yes. So, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Ready? The U.S. Senate on Tuesday, so that uh, was the 14th, mm-hmm. March 14th, passed legislation that would make daylight saving time permanent starting in 2023. So we'll fall back again. One more time. 
That's what I'm assuming. Okay. And then go yeah. ahead. Go one ahead more time. and then permanently. And permanently stay that way. Ending the twice annual changing of clocks and a move promoted by supporters advocating brighter afternoons and more economic activity. Mm. Yeah. So the Senate approved the measure called the Sunshine Protection Act. Nice. And I like it was it. unanimously by voice vote. So it's the first step. It's not like it's the House of Representatives, which has held a committee hearing on the matter, must still pass the bill before it can go to President Biden to sign. Okay. The White House has not said whether Biden will support it, though. Okay. So it's but they're pushing for this. I think this is a bipartisan uh, bill here. Right. Yeah. And they said uh, supporters said that this would not take place until November 2023 after they get adequate input from airlines and broadcasters. Well, the airline schedule thing is the reason why they're doing it for 2023. Yeah. Because uh, they need they they bake those schedules in much farther in advance than we think. Right. So they have to schedule all that ahead of time. And so they say the change would help enable children to play outdoors later and reduce seasonal depression according to supporters. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that might be happening. However, the national controversy, okay. the National Association of Convenience Stores oppose the change. Why? They say we should not have kids going to school in the dark. The convenience stores yeah. are saying that? Yeah. Why? I don't get that. Yeah, I don't know. But So the dark, the quote unquote dark is going to be for the older kids? Because the sunrise in the winter mm-hmm. here, at least in New York, mm-hmm. uh, if daylight saving time stays in effect, mm-hmm. the sunrise is seven fifteen is the earliest sunrise. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to school at you know, since the bus picks you up at six thirty, it's still going to be dark. Right. Um, since two thousand and fifteen, about thirty states have introduced legislation to end the twice yearly changing of clocks with some states proposing to do it only if neighboring states do the same. So mm. it's very uh, odd because what is the one state that does not? Is there- well, Arizona doesn't do it. Right. Hawaii doesn't do it, but they're like all yeah. with the, you know, the tropical drinks and the wonderful, yeah, they don't, they don't, the wonderful yeah. weather. Um, so they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so the House of Energy, the House Energy and Commerce Committee held a hearing on the issue last week Representative Frank Pallone, the committee's chairman, said the loss of that one hour of sleep seems to impact us for days afterwards. It does. It's it's true. I'm feeling it now. Yeah. It also can havoc on the sleeping patterns of our kids and pets. This is something that has been been going on since apparently 2015 and beforehand, I'm sure. I know, uh, as I remember, people have always said, why do we do this? Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, it started in World War I to save energy. So it really was cost efficient. It had nothing to do with anything else. It was just about energy. You know, whether or not we we stick with it or not remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, you know, they say that heart attack risk increases 20% this week. Interesting. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because it's just stressed, maybe? Well, it's just an hour, right? I mean, when you think about it, look, I'm I'm complaining about it. I'm not I'm not discounting it. It is just it is just an hour, though. Right, we're we're going ahead an hour, but I think it's a big deal. Well, I know um, I said this someone that I it, it makes uh, I have insomnia for at least a few weeks because it will throw me off. Yeah, if you're not a morning person, I think it, it disrupts you a little bit more because mm-hmm. when we fall back, 
I'm very, oh, I'm like, oh, uh, this is good. <laughs> and I know for morning people, it's terrible. Yeah. But I'm fine. But so this is, like, I just, I, it's very hard for me to adjust, even though it is only an hour. But for some reason, it's just terrible. And I was mentioning this to someone, and they're like, but it's still the same amount. They're like, it's still the same amount of time in a day. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, yeah, just, but, it's yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just different because, like. Like, I feel like I have to go to bed early, but then you're waking up, and then it's like, yeah, I don't know. No, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like uh, jet lag. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like a forced jet lag for everybody. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess it, I, I do think if you're, are you, are you a morning person? I am, no. I, I don't necessarily would say I'm a morning person, but I'm not an evening person either. I like I like to sleep. Sleep is good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think, like, if you're not, like, naturally, like, if you need an alarm clock to wake up, I think it's it's rough. But if you're naturally like waking up early before anyone else, it probably yeah. doesn't affect you as much. True. Yeah, that's true. I'm just assuming because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now, my question is if the United States does ad- adopt this bill mm-hmm. and we do uh, stay on daylight saving time permanently, I wonder what the other parts of the world are going to do. Well, I wonder if they dislike it as much as it's possible. we dislike it. I don't know. It's very odd. It's I, I still don't understand. When you lived in Arizona and everyone jumped ahead and moved back, were you like, wait a minute? Well, this is what was weird about it. So sometimes we were three hours yeah. difference and sometimes we were two hours difference. It's very And sometimes we were the same as California yeah. and I think other times we weren't. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So... I yeah, know, we're fooling with time. You know what uh, Doc Brown says? <laughs> should be fooling around with time. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so it's interesting to see what will happen. Who knows if we still have this podcast yeah. next year? Yes. We'll we we'll can, be. You know, we can talk about it. We, we can, can say, think. "Oh, see, your head happened." It happened, or it didn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Sure. And thank you all for listening. That does it for another episode. If you want to listen to older episodes or read our show notes, you can visit our website, mcplpodcast.com. If you're listening on YouTube, hit the like button and please hit the subscribe button because we do want to get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the summer. We're going to say Labor Day. How's that sound? So if you can do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. So for Sarah Fade and Nicole Rambo, I'm Sal DiVincenzo. We'll see you on the next show.